<laughs> Here I am. If you miss out on the fact that actually we're not about a dead religion that serves a dead God. It's about a living, loving relationship with the God who created heaven and earth and everything that's in it. And if we ever get to the point where we're just going through the motions, we're just doing our thing and coming along, but never actually connecting with God, then somehow we are missing it. Because our faith is so much more than that. You know, tonight, people, I want to talk to you. I want to preach on Joseph. And uh, I've been fascinated, actually, before I do that. I, who enjoyed that new song tonight? Yeah, that was a great song. And I tell you, while I was singing that, I said, Kalinda, is it me or there's something about Anna's voice? You know? And uh, I, I, she said, no, there's something about Anna's voice. You know, Anna, your voice tonight, there was, uh, uh, there was a depth in that and a strength in that and a quality in that that was, that was really, really outstanding. And uh, the words of that song struck me and, and also uh, I, I believe that they're, they're not just words and, and I took them to heart and, and uh, I, I think actually they're for you also that you don't want anything ordinary. You don't want anything but God. And... Uh, the, the words to that song is that we don't want your blessings, we just want you. And God says for you, girl, you get both. So I want you to be encouraged with that, eh? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So I want to preach tonight on Joseph and uh, the whole story of Joseph. How many of you love the story of Joseph? Yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal story. It's one of the longest narratives in the, in the Bible. It goes in, uh, from Genesis uh, chapter 37, right through to, to uh, Genesis 50. And uh, Joseph's life stood out. His life stood out for integrity. His life stood out for just the incredible depth and the ability to persevere through enormous enormous troubles and difficulties. And uh, Joseph's life has just, over this last year, I've just actually spent a fair bit of time on that, just wondering what it was about Joseph and, the, and the, what was it in Joseph that enabled that man to endure from 17 years of age? What was it that enabled him to endure 13 years of the most horrific trial and temptation that most of us couldn't even imagine from 17 years old it started with a dream a dream of greatness a dream that he could do something a dream that he would rise to a position of unusual favor and leadership and from that dream then began 13 years of unbelievable difficulty from being rejected totally by his brothers, sold as a slave, and then ending up in prison for a crime that he never committed. And I just, I look at that life, and then at the end of that life, all through those trials, he never lost the sweetness of his spirit, the sweetness of his heart for God. He never became bitter. He never became nasty or unforgiving, and he never walked away from God. And I wonder, what was it? What can we learn from his life? Because I, I want to be like Joseph. 
Because it, it was phenomenal what he did. Absolutely amazing. So rejected, abandoned, abused, falsely accused, enslaved and imprisoned, Joseph life, Joseph's life stands out above so many others. And there's a phase in Joseph's life tonight that I want to focus on. And it was a time that he spent in prison. Joseph spent over two years in prison for a, a crime that he didn't commit. And so the title of my message tonight is Making the Most of Time in Prison. Okay, Making the Most of Time in Prison. And you might say, well, I've never been to prison. And, and uh, maybe that's true. Or maybe you say, oh, well, I have been to prison and I, I don't want to learn anything from that. I, don't want to, I know what I certainly don't want to go back there. But, you know... What can we learn from Joseph and its time in prison? Well, the fact is that every one of us, every one of us spends some time in a prison of some sort. Every one of us spends some time where we're in a place of restriction, when we're in a place of confinement, when we can't do what we want to do. We can't go where we want to go. There's limited choices. And that's a place that every one of us will spend some time in. It might be a prison of circumstances in a job that you hate. How many of you have ever done it, been in a job that you hate and think, oh my word, I, I'm in prison with this job. Yeah, You can relate to me? All right. Well, I've spent some time in a, in a job like that when I, uh, when I first came out of, out of uni. I, um, I, I got a job. I got a primo job. A fantastic job, absolutely outstanding. And then, just before, like two weeks before I was due to start this job, well-paid, professional job, awesome, okay? The, there was a, a, a cut in government funding, which meant my job was toast, okay? So all of a sudden, I'm thinking, no, what am I going to do? Okay, so I ended up doing a job for something like about 18 months where I was... I was managing an orchard in the Waikato, running it by myself, and I was working by myself day in, day out, doing jobs for most of the part were just flat out boring. And I thought, oh my God. There were times that, you know, I'm a reasonably social creature. I like company. And when you go for days at a time and you don't see anything or anyone other than the pukekos coming up out of the swamp, then... Uh, I tell you, it does something inside you that is hard to deal with. So it might be, you know, I spent 18 months in that, and for me, it was a prison I didn't like. All right, it might be a job that you hate. It might be, your prison might be an age. You're too young or too old, too young to have the freedom that you want, to do the things that you want to do, or you're too old to do them, okay? That might be one of your prisons that you face. Many people face a financial prison, too much weak at the end of your money, all right? How many of you have faced that, all right? Too much weak at the end of your money? No way, all right. It could be a, a, a prison of sickness, a, pr a prison of sickness where you just can't do what you want to do. Could be a relational prison, unhappily single, all right, or unhappily married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave that one for you to figure out, eh? Uh, uh, actually, I'm not in a relational prison. I'm very happily married. Thank you very much. But uh, 
It could be at family stage. Many, many mums of young children say, well, you know, I'm so, I can't do anything. My life revolves around looking after, after little ones and, and I can't do this and I can't do that. I don't have my freedom that I had before. When will I ever have it again? And there's a, there's a family stage of life that they think, oh my word, this is a prison that I'm in. You see, many of us, many of us, in fact, all of us will find time when we're in some sort of prison where we can't do what we want to do. And so we've got a lot that we can learn from the life of Joseph because Joseph had a dream, and probably the most important thing that we can learn from the life of Joseph is that if you have a dream burning in your heart that you hold on to and don't let go of, that dream will, will sustain you through so much hardship and difficulty. If you've got a dream in your heart for greatness, then it doesn't matter what difficulty you would face. It doesn't matter how many challenges you would go through. You will persevere through them because you know that there's something that you can hold on to. Joseph was a dreamer. And I wonder tonight, are you a dreamer? Do you have a dream? Something that God has placed within your heart, a dream for greatness. Do you have that tonight? Put your hand up if you've got a dream to do something great with your life. Eh? Okay, now if you don't have a dream to do something great with your life, I want to encourage you, push into God and see what He has for you. Because God has got something for every one of us. Every one of us, He's got something that He wants us to do. Something that no one else can do. Something that He wants and has appointed you to do particularly. So push into God and take a hold of what He has for you. And see, when the times of prison come, imprisonment come, then it's in those times that you can hold on to that dream and say, this might be for a time, but God has got something greater for me to fulfill. Amen? Amen. All right. So prison's a place where people question their dreams. Prisons are places where some people doubt their dreams and prisons are places where some people give up their dreams and even give up on the dream giver. But I tell you, there is a better way. There is so much more in store for you. You see, a prison can be a place where you prepare to possess and take hold of your dream. Are you prepared to take hold of the dream that God has given you? Are you prepared? Yeah? All right. So in this prison time, you can say, God, prepare me. Prepare me for what you have for me. So how do you prepare when you're in prison? First of all, you need to recognize that God is with you. You need to recognize that God is with you and look for his goodness. In Genesis 39 and verses 20 to 21, it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You see, when you're in prison, 
It's difficult to know that God is with you. It's very tempting to think when you're in a place of difficulty, when you're in a place of adverse conditions where everything seems to be against you, when everyone seems to be against you, it's difficult to recognize that actually that God is with you. And you see, God was with Joseph. And God, if you are a believer, God is with you. No matter what you face, no matter what difficulty you walk through, God is with you. Tell the person next to you, God is with you. (laughs) So it's tempting to think when you're in a difficult place that, oh my God, you don't care about me. You're no good. You can't be good. You can't have anything great for me. Maybe this is my lot in life. Maybe I'm just going to rot here in this place. Have you ever been in a place like that where you think, oh, I'm giving up on everything and how could God leave me in this place? Who's ever been in a place like that? Yeah, okay, most of us, if we realize, if we're we're honest, you know, I had a a space like that when uh, the first time I went, did you want to hear a story? Okay, this is a good story. Okay, the first time I went to China, uh, there was an enormous, an enormous communication breakdown. And uh, so when I arrived in Hong Kong, I, I didn't get any contact details. All I had was my contact in Beijing was a guy with the initials JT. That's all I had. I was meant to get all the details when I got to Hong Kong. And uh, so, no problem. So I turn up in Hong Kong. There's no one there to meet me in the airport. I don't even know the address of where I'm supposed to go in Hong Kong to get the other details. And uh, so, through some amazing circumstance, okay, I'll cut cut the story short. But through some amazing circumstance, someone had pity on me and took me to the church where I was meant to get all my details. And are they happy to see me? No. They're not. In fact, they're angry. They're ticked. They're upset. Because I'd, through this communication breakdown, they hadn't been given any warning that I was going to turn up. I turn up on a national holiday, okay? And, uh, and they're just, they're slacked off. They're busy up to their eyeballs. And I've been dumped on them. And they're going like, what do we do with you? And the guy gives me a scolding and he says, you're here on a national holiday, you give us no warning, and, and, and you've got too much luggage. What are we going to do with you? And so they were angry with me, and I was thinking, this is welcome to missions, welcome to China, and uh, it's not feeling so good. Anyway, so the guy, after he had scolded me enough, he had told me off and, and read me my pedigree, he dropped me off at this hostel and said, uh, I said, look, I need the details of where I'm going, to, because I'm going tomorrow. And he said, uh, uh, we'll, we'll tell you tomorrow. We'll sort it out tomorrow. Okay. So here I am still flying out the next day. And I don't know anything other than the fact that I'm going to Beijing. And somewhere in amongst 13 million people, I've got to find someone called JT. Okay. <laughs> and if he's as happy to see me as these guys are, I'm in big trouble. And uh, anyway, so I started to feel like I'm in prison I don't know what I'm going to do. What will I do? Because, you know, it's bad enough here, and there's a few people who speak English. But once I get into Beijing, there is no one who speaks English much. <laughs> and what will I do? And I started get an- getting angry with God. God, how could you do this to me? God, how could you do this to me? And then I got angry with Pastor Mike. And I said, <laughs> Pastor Mike, how dare you do this to me? You have let me down. And I got angry with God, and I got angry with Pastor Mike. 
and I'm thinking, I'm in big trouble. I tried to use the phone to get hold of these guys and say, look, I need these details. The phone doesn't work for me. I'm flipping out, as you can imagine. Okay, my blood pressure is like through the roof, and I'm stressed, thinking, how do I, I don't even know how to get on a plane back to New Zealand. If I could, I would. And uh, anyway, I just... There was a guy came in, he was just a random chance, okay? Guy comes into this hostel from mainland China. He's a Kiwi guy. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit just said to me, ask this fellow. I said, that's nuts. I said, that's so nuts. I said, of all the millions of people, 1.9 billion people in China, and you want me to ask this guy if he knows someone in Beijing with the initials JT. That is nuts. And God said, you ain't got much choice, have you? <laughs> so what are you going to do? And uh, oh God, he's going to think I'm crazy. Anyway, I said, well, God, I just submit this to you. Anyway, so I go to this guy and I say, look, you're going to think this crazy, but is there any chance of the 13 million people in Beijing that you know someone with the initials JT and he's in Beijing? And, uh, and this guy just laughed. He laughed and he laughed. And he laughed, and he said, this could only be one person. In fact, I was with him one month ago. I have his cell phone number here. I have his home phone number here. Would you like me to ring him? And I, I, after I wiped the tears from my eyes, thinking, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I said, yes, ring him. <laughs> so, and actually, he was happy to see me. But you know what? Right then, peace came on me because I recognized that God was with me. And no matter what prison you are in, God is with you. He can't leave you because that's not in his nature. God doesn't ever leave you. He doesn't ever let you down. He doesn't ever set you loose. Doesn't matter what anyone else has done for you or to you. God is there with you. It says that believers are one spirit with the Lord. We are one spirit with him. He cannot leave us we are fused to him. We are joined to him. So whatever prison you are in, look to see the presence of God. Recognize that he's there and look what he would do in your midst. Because God is good. It, show, it says that God showed his steadfast love. Steadfast love to Joseph. You know, God will show his steadfast love to you and mercy in provision, in favor, in opportunities, if you look for them beyond the walls of your prison right now, if you look for them, you'll find them because God is there and he's a faithful God. So recognize that God is with you and look for his goodness. Okay, what else do you do? What, can we, what else can we learn from what Joseph did and how he lived when, at this time in prison? And says in, in Genesis 39, 22, to 23, it says, And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. All right, now look at this. It says right through, Whatever was done, Joseph did it. He was the one who did it. The Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. If you want to make your best of your time in prison, make the best of whatever you have and do what you can where you can. 
Make the best of what you have where you are. Take whatever God's given you and put it to use. No matter what restrictions there are around you, no matter what confinement there is, put it to use. Make use of it. You see, God couldn't make nothing succeed. You see, Joseph did something and God made it succeed. And sometimes we think that when we're in a prison, we just do nothing. We'll fill in the time with Facebook and playing crashing cubes and, and uh, uh, watching soapies on TV or whatever. All right? <laughs> but God can't bless that. That's just wasting time. Make the best of what you have, where you are. Put your talents and abilities and skills to use. Because everyone has got great skills and abilities and talents that you can make them work wherever you are and whatever job you're doing and whatever situation you have. You know, for parents, I read a quote uh, from, uh, from some high-powered executive that said, Mothers, don't ever despise the time that you invest in your children because if you will focus on that and, and allow yourself to, uh, to grow during that time, you actually become a far more valuable person than if you struggled against it the whole time and worked against it. You see, if you're willing to put whatever skills you have to work, then God will bless it and he will grow you. So in every prison, there's opportunities to extend yourself wherever you are. Put whatever talent you have to work, whether it's in serving others. Joseph served the master of that prison, and he even served the prisoners in that prison. If we serve others in whatever limited way we can, then God will find room for us. And that's why in this church, we're so deliberate and enthusiastic about putting people to work in whatever way we can, because we know that as people serve others, God positions them for growth. Now, you might think that, well, I'm just handing out bulletins at the door. What possible use can that be? I tell you, it's serving others. It's serving the house. It's growing the house. And in it, it's changing something in you, making you a bigger person and preparing you to possess the dream that God has given you. So serve others. Tell the person next to you, it's good to serve others. All right, so in diligence in the workplace or family, I tell you, when you're in, a, in, a, in some sort of prison in a, in a workplace, the best thing you can do is turn up early, turn up and put in a great day's work, put in a super, super work so that you get recognized for the quality of your work. If you're going to have a family, have the best family. Put an input into it the best way you possibly can. If you're going to grow, spirit, grow, grow spiritually, grow morally, grow, grow with your education, invest in it. Because God can't do anything with nothing. One of the principles of multiplication is zero times anything is still nothing. Yeah? So if you don't do anything, God can't multiply it. But even if you do something that's little, God can multiply it and make it work for you. And that's an awesome thing. You see, in Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 10 to 12, it says, For God is not unjust. God's not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. 
Our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order that you would make certain that what you hope for will come true. You see, and then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises. I don't know about you, but I want to inherit God's promises. And it says that God is not unjust. And he sees whatever we do in whatever capacity we have. Joseph didn't have a huge amount of freedom. He was limited in so much of what he could do. But he did what he could where he was. And God blessed him. God made it succeed. How many of you want to succeed in what you do? Yeah? Amen. All right. Next, next key to making your time in prison count. Key is worship. Key is worship. Joseph had the heart of a worshiper. You see, in Genesis chapter 40 and verse 8, you know, uh, this was years. Joseph had spent years in prison, years as a slave. He had a dream that God had given him and he had interpreted it. You'd think that he could be bitter and twisted, but he wasn't. When someone else had a dream, he said, you tell that dream to me, don't all the interpretations belong to God. Please tell me what this dream is. You see, Joseph, even though, even though he had spent so much time in hardship, he was prepared to give God honor. You see, wherever we are in whatever prison we might find ourselves, if we're willing to worship God and give Him honor, give Him, uh, give him love and uh, declare His worth, then I tell you, that's the spirit of worship. And that's something that made Joseph stand out above anyone else. You see, provisions, uh, prisons give a unique opportunity to give God an offering that you can't give in heaven. Did you know that? See, in heaven, you'll be able to praise God. You'll be able to worship Him. You'll be able to give Him thanks. But you know there's one thing that you won't be able to give God in heaven. You won't be able to give God praise from a position of hardship where things aren't going right. Do you understand that? Because in heaven, everything's good. There's no hardship in heaven. There's no difficulty in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no poverty or lack in heaven. There's nothing like that in heaven. Only on this earth do we have the opportunity to give that sort of offering to God. That's an incredible thing. It's a, a, you know, don't lose that opportunity because when you're in a difficult spot, God has given you something that you can give Him that throughout all eternity you'll never, be able, never have the chance to give Him again. That's an amazing opportunity. So you can grizzle all your way, all your way through your time in prison and say, God, I don't want this, and how hard is this, and why would you do this to me, God? And you could go on like that. You could say, God, I thank you that you've died for me. I thank you that you've forgiven me. I thank you that I'm your son. I thank you, Lord God, that you've destined me. I thank you that you've given me purpose. I thank you, Lord, for the purpose that you've given my life. You can give him an offering of praise and worship in whatever prison you are. You see, in Acts chapter 16, it tells the story of Paul and Silas. And they had been beaten, badly beaten and, and, uh, and whipped for preaching the gospel. They'd been beaten up and, and, and smashed around. 
And now they're sitting in a cold prison, locked in shackles. And you know what they're doing? They're singing praises to God. They're singing hymns and worshiping God at about midnight. Now, I don't know about you, but I like my sleep. Okay? And if I've had a hard day, I especially like my sleep. And uh, I, Paul and Silas had, had the hardest day of ever, the toughest day. They're there. They've been beaten. They're sore and they're bruised. I tell you, those guys deserve to sleep. But they weren't sleeping. They were praising God. They were worshiping God. They were giving God praise that there's no way they would ever be able to give Him like that in those sorts of conditions in heaven. And the incredible thing is, is that their praise released them from prison. Who knows whether your praise or worship may not release you from the prison that you're in. Amen? See, worship is an offering to God that opened the prison doors for them. Maybe it will open your prison doors also. There's one more point. One more point from the life of Joseph and his time in prison and how to make the best of your time in prison. Don't let go of your dream. Don't let go of your dream. No matter what happens, don't let go. It says in Psalm 105, verse 17 to 19. If you've got your Bible, you're welcome to turn to it. Otherwise, I'll read it to you. It says that God sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. And it says, until the time of his word, the Lord's word, came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Joe, if I can have you on the keyboards, that would be great. Thank you. It says that the word of the Lord tested him. If you have a dream in your heart, don't let go of it. Because regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what's going on in your life, that word will try you and refine you and make you a stronger and better person. What does it mean the word of the Lord tested him? It means that it refined him like a refiner's fire. You see, back in the ancient times, gold and silver, precious metals, were refined, made pure by applying heat to that metal until it melted and as it melted the rubbish would come to the top be distracted now the rubbish would float to the top and the refiner would gently scrape away the scum and rubbish from the top and then you apply more heat and continue to apply more heat to that gold or that silver. You'd give it a stir and more rubbish would come to the top. And he'd carefully scrape more off and more off. And he'd continue with that process until he could see a clear reflection of his face in that precious metal. See, the prison that we might be in, you might be in right now, whatever that might be, it's like the crucible that's holding the precious metal. And your dream is that precious metal 
that is held within your life. And as the heat is applied to your life, the rubbish comes to the top. God's able to remove it if we will cooperate with Him. As you hold on to the Word of God in your life, as you hold on to that dream and allow God's light, God to pour out upon you, you find that all sorts of rubbish comes up in your life, all sorts of scum, unkindness, rejection, judgment, criticism. And as that heat is applied, God's able to remove that. Can I have the whole band, please? Maybe tonight you're wondering, God, why have you got me in this place? Why have you got me in this spot of difficulty? I thought I had a dream. I thought I had a dream that I could do something. I thought I had a dream that I could do something. God, that you would do something with my life. And now here I am, stuck in this place. God, what are you doing? Tonight, I want to encourage you. Don't let go of your dream. You know that this time is a time that God is preparing you to possess what God spoke to your heart. See, right when I first got saved, I had a dream to be a pastor. So much time went past. So much time and difficulty. And I wondered, would that ever come to pass? Ten years of difficulty. And that came to pass. I had another dream. Another dream that God would allow me to do some work in China that would see people's lives built up to preach the gospel and see people's lives changed and transformed. I tell you, that was 16 years before that ever came to pass. Tonight, what does it take for you to let go of the dream that God's placed in your heart? Maybe you've found yourself in some sort of difficulty, but tonight I want to challenge you. Pick up that dream again and say, God, I determine to make the best with what I've got here right now. I determine, Lord, to worship you no matter what. I determine, Lord, to hold on to the dream that you've given me. Tonight, I know that there's so many people here. You've got dreams in your heart, dreams of greatness. There's been difficulty come around you. Some of you, your grip on that dream has just become loose. But tonight, God's saying, don't let go. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Because in it, I will refine you and grow you and prepare you to possess it. Tonight, if that's you, and there's a dream in your heart, I want you to come forward. 
just bring that dream to God. Say, God, tonight I'm making a stand for you to worship you and to represent my dream to you.